Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. The church has been a family. You've got mothers, you've got brothers, you've got sisters. Jesus said at one point, who is my mother and my brother and my sister? He said, those who do the will of my Father in heaven. When we gather together for the purpose of serving God, we may have, I have families, but also been in Christ for some years now in the family of God, this is my family. These are the people that have wept with me, that have prayed with me, that have walked with me through certain things. It's a different kind of relationship. Paul says, hey, I want you to understand, when you guys get together, this is a special gathering. Do you see the folks in your church as your family? Are you close to them? Do you let them get close to you? Today, Pastor Bill explains that Jesus defined his family as those who do the will of his Father. Jesus' family and our family are those who do God's will. Yes, we have natural families, but our spiritual family is extra special. We will spend eternity with our spiritual family, but not so with the unbelievers in our natural family. Let's treat our spiritual family with the same love that Jesus has for us. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 5 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. 1 Timothy 5, we're going through the whole book. So you guys that have been following along, if you uh, look at just the trend of the book, um, we started in chapter 1, Paul, uh, the apostle, has is, is got this young man, Timothy, that he's discipling, he's raising up Timothy. Timothy's also going to serve as a, a pastor. And we know from some of the other letters that Timothy and Paul had a very special relationship. Paul would say at one point that I have nobody else like him that has my heart. That when Paul could send Timothy into an area, it was like he himself had gone. Someone that just, he knows my heart. He knows what I would want done. Um, this is my, he calls Timothy his son in the faith. Earlier in chapter one, he called him his true son, uh, which we talked about that back then. If you could have a true son, you could also have a what? A false son. Somebody look like they're following you, but they're not. So so Timothy's my true son in the faith. And so Paul's been giving him all this groundwork, encouraging him, teaching him how to be the man God wants him to be, how to be a leader. And so in chapter one, uh, we looked at God's desire for people in the church, his structure. In chapter two, we looked there specifically at the roles of men and women within the church and where God wanted the men to be, what he wanted us to be doing, and the women as well. In chapter three, we looked at the qualifications for those that would serve as Timothy would be going from place to place as a pastor, raising up leaders, raising up help. Um, he needed to know, what are you looking for in leadership? What are you looking for in those that will serve? What are you looking for in those that will be a pastor or a deacon or deaconess? What are you looking for in those individuals? Um, he was given that information in chapter three. In chapter four, we looked at uh, some of the false teaching that Timothy was up against. As it is today, there are churches full all over the world today with people that are saying whatever, uh, all sorts of things. And so Paul said, hey, these, these things will be happening um, he says, you'll be a good minister if you teach the people these things. And so we looked at that uh, last week. We concluded last week looking at his encouragement to Timothy that, that no one despise your youth. And he said, since you're a young man, you be an example to the believer in these areas. And he gave him some things. So we pick up today in chapter five, verse one. This kind of how chapter five breaks down. We're going to look at family relationships as far as the family of God, how we're to be treating one another. We're going to look at how the church is supposed to be treating widows and what a widow is. Um, and they, back here in the church, they had a program or they had a, a way in which they would take care of widows. And so Paul is giving Timothy instructions so that the church wouldn't be taken advantage of. 
and that those that are without would be ministered to and their needs would be met. And then from there, we'll look at uh, how we treat the overseer, the pastors, um, how they're going to be treated and, and how how that relationship is to go. And as we come to the, the very end of the chapter, I think Paul just gives Timothy some wisdom on how to have some uh, discernment in terms of people that you're raising up. So chapter five, verse one, he says this is do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with all purity. And so these first two verses, Paul is instructing Timothy, when we gather together as the family of God, this is how we need to see each other. Um, how many of you guys have found in Christ that the church is a family to you, that the church has been a family? You've got mothers, you've got brothers, you've got sisters. Jesus said at one point, who is my mother and my brother and my sister? He said, those who do the will of my father in heaven. When we gather together for the purpose of serving God, we may have I have families, but I also been in Christ for some years now in the family of God. There's this is my family. These are the people that have wept with me, that have prayed with me, that have walked with me through certain things. It's a different kind of relationship. Paul says, hey, I want you to understand when you guys get together, this is a special gathering. We got one dad, our heavenly father for everybody born again, everybody that's received Christ, our heavenly father. We share that in common. God said, I want you guys to have a certain way that you respect and treat one another. So Timothy being a younger pastor, Paul said to him, he says, hey, do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. Within church dealings and whatnot, he's saying, hey, if you got an older guy, maybe there's something not right. You don't go to him in front of everybody else and just, you know, rebuke him or be sharp with your words. He says, you got to be respectful. You exhort him, but you do it as a father. Uh, anybody here ever had to say something corrective to your father? Just think about the weightiness and how how many days you took thinking about how you might say it and how you wouldn't say it. Just the, res the, the respect that was brought, hopefully, hopefully, maybe some of y'all are like, I just said it, you know, but hopefully there's some gravity to that. God says, so when we gather together, there ought to be some respect. Uh, I'm, I need to be respectful to those that are that are older than me just because they're my, they're older than me in the Lord. Um, they're an older man. I need to come with a certain amount of a respect and gravity. Why is that? What do you guys think would happen if a younger guy is speaking rudely to an older guy? What's the what's the com? What do you think the common response from the older guy would be? Well, shut up, boy! You don't know nothing. You know, just if you feel disrespected, you might disrespect him back. So Paul says, Timothy, I want you to lead out like this: Don't rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. Um, you treat him like you would treat a father, and you come with that kind of respect. And so. Um, that's that's just family relations. Guys, I want you guys to deal with each other in this kind of way. Then he says younger men as brothers. And so just the men that are younger than you, um, sometimes it can happen in a church where, you know, guys, they treat the kids like like I don't know, teach the, the teenage boys and kids like like, you know, you know, whatever. God says treat them like younger brothers. Um, yes, they're younger. And with younger, there's, there's all these different things. Treat them like younger brothers. Um, let them be to you as younger brothers. The younger men, you treat them as other brothers. Verse two, older women as mothers. And so the older women in the church, uh, there's to be a certain same way you would honor your mom and you would run out and get her from the car and open the door and pull out her stuff. Guys, when there's older women around, hey, brothers, <laughs> we, need to, we need to show up and honor them and take care of them and treat them like mothers, treat them like you would treat a mother. And so there's a every man here that's had a mother, uh, hopefully. There's a gentleness in which you deal with your mom. There's some things that you you just take care of for your mom. And 
Uh, there are things you wouldn't let her do. You know, I'll be, your mom getting out the car with heavy stuff, you running, grab, give me that, mom, I got that. You know, and, and so God says, when we gather as a family of God, treat the older women like mothers. And then he says, and the younger women as sisters with all purity. And so, again, Timothy's a, a younger pastor. He's single at this point, not married. Far as we know, he said, hey, treat the younger women like sisters. And so, you know, he's not out there flirting and treating them like girlfriends and whatnot. They're like sisters. And so uh, and I, I've often shared this when, you know, people are, you know, investigating relationships and so forth. Hey, that's, that's your and right now, because until you get married, you know, that's your sister in the Lord. And I remember I gross out all the high school kids. I tell them, hey, would you, you know, when you're trying to figure out what's okay before God in terms of relationship, would you do it with your, oh, no, then don't do that with her. Uh, it's treated like a sister until God makes it into something else. And if God gives you, if God makes it a wife, all the rules change. Uh, you're actually commanded to do some other things. But until then, that's your sister. So he says, you treat the younger women as sisters. And what is that for Timothy? That just keeps him in a good place. Uh, keeps him in a position in the body where he's got integrity, um, he's not being questioned about what he's doing. Um, these are safeguards that are set up, and, and it's just wise. A man's going to serve God in a place of a pastor. You need to be careful how you deal with women in general um, because uh, that's one area where a lot of guys fall and they mess up, um, just not having wisdom in that. And so, hey, treat them like younger sisters. So you love on them. Uh, I love my sister, and I speak kindly to my sister, and I, I minister to my sister, but it's my sister. It's a totally different relationship than what I got with my wife. So he said, you treat the younger women like sisters. And as I read that, I just realized that Paul's laying out this outline for Timothy that's really, it's, it's, it's really bringing forth the point that hey, we're a family, that the church of Jesus Christ is a family. And we to love each other like family and be there for each other like a family would be. And so now we're going to, so, so pretty lengthy section dealing with widows. I, I'm going to explain it because it's very different than our scenario today. Um, in the early church and in this era, if a woman's husband died, there was typically no uh, no way for this woman to provide for herself. Um, in this time, women didn't typically work. The husband was the breadwinner. She was at home taking care of the children, so forth and so on. And so everything that came into the home in terms of uh, resources came through the husband. So if a woman's husband died, uh, at this time, they said many times women would turn to prostitution or they would just be destitute. There was no means of, 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 of taking care of them. Uh, we do live in a very different time than what they did. And so what the church had done was said, hey, within the church body, if a woman's a widow, we'll take care of her. You know, and they had you guys remember that whole thing that came about in Acts chapter six about the daily distribution of food and how the one group of widows was being taken care of and the other group of women wasn't. They had to get some guys to be fair with the women there. The issue there was that they were coming for the daily distribution. The church was feeding them daily. And so that was what the church was doing to take care of these women whose husbands had died. So Paul's telling Timothy, hey, everybody doesn't qualify for that service. And he wants to make it clear who does and who doesn't. And who do we acknowledge as a widow? Um, you know, what the character should be about those women, which ones need to go ahead and remarry um, and so forth and so on. So um, look at verse three. It says honor widows who are really widows. And so obviously there's some widows. If, they, if you got to honor the widows that are really widows, then there's some that Paul is saying they ain't really widows. You know, everybody knows some people that want to beat the system. I just want to take advantage of the system. That ain't new. 
uh, way back here was people taking advantage of the system. So um, Paul said, I want, I want Timothy, you need discernment. You need to be able to recognize what's right and what's wrong. And this is what I kept thinking about when I went through this. I used to work at what would be considered a mega church. Calvary Chapel Downey is a very big church. And when I worked there in the church office, it was ongoing that there would be people that would see the building, see the place, come into the office, and they want money. They want the church to give them money. And, you know, we had to come up with a criteria for how we would do it. Half of it was use discernment. As you sit with someone, pray, and just let the Lord give you discernment, whether this is a legitimate need or not. The other half of it was kind of practical, like, you know, and they had to come up because the church would fold if they existed for the purpose of giving everybody money that walked in the door. They wouldn't be able to function as a church, what they were called to do. And so I remember being there and just the craziest thing. I had a woman come in one time and they had assigned her one pastor. She said, no, I want him. And they said, OK, they called me back and said, hey, she's specifically requesting you. I said, I don't know her. And uh, but I said, sure, I'm, I'll see her. So she came back. So I realized after she came back that she had requested me because I was black. She was also black. So she was like, hey, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're going to get me this money up in here, right? You know, so, so we sat down, and I kid you not, this woman went into her bag. She pulled out a stack of bills, put them on the table, and she said, I need to have all these bills paid. And I said, okay, well, let me, let me take a look at your bills and cell phone bill, gas bill. Water bill, water bill, water bills, all these. It was a gang of bills. Um, and I said, OK, I says, um, let's, let's back up a little bit. You know, you kind of jumped in on me. I said, how did you hear about it? Do you fellowship here? You come to church here? No, nope, never been to church here. How did you hear about it? I was walking by and saw the building. OK, all right. Um, how, how did this happen? Like, how did you get into this predicament? You know, um, some money was coming in, it's no longer coming in. So, so, so we pay all this. You're going to be back here two months. So we're just getting information. I'm just listening and so forth and so on. I said, okay, well, it's not my decision to make. I don't, I don't own the money here. I'm not in charge of it. Um, I just am getting all your information. I got to go back to those that are in charge of it and ask them. But I don't think that they're going to pay all your bills because you walked by and, and saw it. I mean, I've never been cussed out in the church office. you know. And I was like, ma'am, I haven't even, I'm still going to go ask. I said, now I'm not comfortable leaving you in my office. We got to go outside. You mean, I broke my fish tank, you know? So I, I went and asked, and as I thought, you know, it, they said, no, we can't, we can't do it. And so I came back. I said, well, I'm going to try my best to explain it to her. I said, look, this is the thing, you know, um, there are people that are here, and the church, you know, knows who they are, and they may come into need, and the church takes care of them. But I said, they, they don't have a ministry here that just says that anybody walks by can come lay their bills out. They, that ministry doesn't exist. And so it's not available. And I got cussed up, down. I got threatened. Um, I mean, I was I, I tried to walk her. I thought she going to hit me. This woman going to hit me. I'm about to get hit by a woman at church, you know, and, and she went on. And I remember just thinking and that was just one of hundreds over the years there where people would run through the doors. But in the midst of all that, there would be legitimate needs that walk through. And so something that you need and dealing with because it's God's resources. You need discernment. And, and structure, Lord, who do we give to and who don't we? Everybody know we live in a very crooked world. And some people, once they figure out there's something that you can get for free, they figuring out how to get it for free. And God ain't got nothing to do with that. So, you know, we don't want to be suckers and then we don't want to be close hearted either. So where is the balance at? You know, these women are widows. Their husbands have died. They are in a bad place. 
And so God gives Timothy through Paul some instruction on who we do take care of and who we don't. So he says, honor the widows that are really widows. Verse four. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents. For this is good and acceptable before God. So the first women off the list, if you're a widow, but you raise kids and you got living children, if she has children or grandchildren, let them take care of her. If that's a grandma or that's your mother and she took care of you and raised you and fed you and, you know, cleaned your dirty diapers. Now she needs your help. Now you guys take care of her. So it said first, let it fall on if they have family, children or grandchildren, let them take care of them. So this is good and acceptable before God. Verse five. Now, she who is really a widow and is explaining what it is and she's left alone, trust in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who lives in pleasures is dead while she lives. And these things command that they may be blameless. And so when it talks about a woman living in pleasures, it's saying there's not the woman who her husband died. She out there at the club getting her thing on, just saying, Woo! and then she's showing up in the line saying, take care of me. She living in pleasure. She living in sin. The Bible says she's dead while even she lives. We're not taking care of her. Um, so the woman that's living in pleasures is that woman. Everybody understand who that woman is? All right, it's that one. So, guys, we're not taking care of her. We don't have a plan for you. Why not, though? Right? It was like, why is that a distinction? How come we wouldn't take care of a woman that's living like that? God says, because she's dead while she lives. Right? This program that is set up is taking care of those that are living a certain kind of way. There were layers of this that I was working through. I'm like, God, so you mean to tell me that there's a way in which you'll take care of those that live right that you don't make available to those that are not living right? Do you guys know that that's true? Even though there's grace, do you understand that there's things that God says, there's stuff available to people that are living right that is not available for people that are not living right? That's what we're reading here. Paul is instructed, hey, the women that are living like that, no, no, we're not taking care of them. But he's going to explain the widows that we are going to take care of. And these are some spiritual women that are living a spiritual life. God said, you take care of them. You make sure that their needs get met. I don't think it's much different. You could take us out of this scenario and I can say the same thing, that those that are living right, those that are honoring God with their life, God says, I'll take care of you. It'll come some way. It does matter how we live is my point. It matters how we live before God. And so again, she who lives in pleasures is dead while she lives. These things command that they may be blameless. Verse eight. Now, this is a verse that, um, you know, is often used to speak of men that are not, you know, taking care of their families and, and their responsibilities as a, as a man. Verse eight says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so the context here is speaking of a widow, your mother, your, your, your dad died, your man, um, you know, and, and your, mo your mother is without. God says you, you wouldn't take care of your mother. Um, you guys know that we live in a culture where people just putting their parents off. Just not taking care of them. They, they're people that live their whole life leeching off their parents and then their parents end up in the place where they need. And the people say, OK, well, then I don't know, grandma, you know, you got some Social Security or something. Take care of that. Uh, you, it's a home. It's a home. We can put you up in that home. And there's a time, there's a place where maybe someone needs to be in a home. They need constant watch and care for their own health and whatnot. I understand that. But we are living in a time where there's not even natural affection from mom. There's not even a natural like. Man, I want to take care of my mom. I'd sacrifice my own comfort right now to minister to my mom. God says, not for the believer. And so when he says here, read it carefully. He says, but, but if anyone does not provide for his own. So 
if you got to take care of your mom, mom is not even first tier, right? If you're a man, what's the first tier of responsibility you have? Your wife and your children. Mom is after that. So it could just be implicit that if I got to take care of my mom, should she fall upon hard times, then I'm expected to take care of my household. Anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household. God says he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Why is he worse than an unbeliever? Because even unbelievers do that. Even unbelievers take care of their responsibility, take care of their kids, take care of their families. God says, if you don't do that, you're worse than a non-believer. And so, you know, I hate to see it in the church. I hate to see men that, that struck their responsibility, that don't take care of what's, what's put under them. And so in this context here, it is speaking of parents, speaking of mother. That's what was happening in some cases that there were children who could have been taking care of their mom that were putting her off on the church. You're going to ask the church to pay for it. Take care of you, mom. Where Paul's saying, you guys should be taking care of her. You guys are worse than non-believers if you won't take care of your own mom. And so just a word to us that have, you know, some of us don't even have a mom anymore. But a word to us that are still in a place where our parents are alive and they're around, they're well. Um, man, care for them. Love them. And, and understand that a, a way in which they may have cared for you at one point in your life, there, there may come a time when it's going to be now your turn to take care of them. And you embrace that. Um, don't run from that. You know, that's something that if you're married, that's a conversation you have with your husband and your wife. That, hey, mom's getting up there. You know, dad's got some health challenges. And I see these things coming. How are we going to minister to them then? You know, it's coming. It's going to come a time when they need from us. What's, what's our position going to be? We're the Christians in the family. I know we got other brothers and other siblings, but we know God. What are we going to do? That's got to be the heart of the believer. What, what, what are we going to do to take care of them? That will honor God. That'll honor God more than the alternative, which is just to, to shrug the responsibility. And so um, it is a sad thing in our day, in our time, in our culture where people do. They take, 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 take. And then when it's time to give, everybody's out. I don't have it. I can't afford it. I can't do it. They couldn't afford it either. They made it happen for you. And so you might have to make it happen for them as well. And so, again, he says, if anyone does not provide for his own, especially those of his own household, uh, those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than the unbeliever. Those are such strong words to me. Um, so if you, whatever's in your household, men, you make sure you take care of yours. Whatever you got to do. I, I tell a guy that can't make a lot of money, whatever money you can make, make that and take care of home with it. You ain't got to be rich. It doesn't say, you know, uh, you, you got to, you know, you got to provide the most or the best, but I'm doing what I can do. That's what God requires of us, that we do the best we can. Whatever that is. And, and it's not, you know, it's not like, you know, you work the best you can. This is what I can provide. And I'm providing what I can provide until God gives me more to provide. Then you do that to the glory of God. But don't sit up playing video games and, you know, doing, you know, whatever. And, and then God says, man, and claim, you'll claim you love God. God says you worse than an unbeliever if you will not take care of those of your own household. Amen. All right. May all the men stand up. All right. Verse nine. It says, do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number and not unless she has been the wife of one man. So first of all, um, a woman couldn't even be considered with this whole widow thing. She couldn't be considered, uh, you know, to receive, you know, aid from the church if she was under 60. And so, um, you know, in, in one sense, I guess if you were under 60, you're still young. <laughs> you're still, uh, you're still uh, you know, you still get out there and, and, and make him find you a husband, you know, and so. Uh, but it says if she's under 60, 
you know, it's going to tell us in a minute, the younger widows need to go out there and they need to get married again, you know? And, um, but if she's 60 or older, um, then that's one qualification. So she's under 60 years old. Do not let her be taken into the number. First Timothy four, verse seven through 10 says this, training yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is a value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. We all know exercise is good for the body, but have you considered lately how your soul needs exercise too? We have a long race ahead of us before we get to go home to the Father, and we need to be in shape for the journey. You've made a great first step by being here with us on a transforming word. Hearing the word of God transforms our lives. What's your next training step? Is it to spend some time in prayer or perhaps to go out and find a place to serve? Or maybe it is to take the step of giving. Whatever it is, embrace your soul training today. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. In this series, Pastor Bill Buffington has been making his way through the book of 1 Timothy, where we find many golden nuggets of wisdom for the journey. If your next step in training is to give, hop on over to calvaryinglewood.org to give online. Or you can download our app and give from there. Once again, that website is calvaryinglewood.org. Thank you for being a part of this ministry. We'll see you here next time as we journey together here on A Transforming Word.